Volume two, chapter fifteen of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifteen. New hopes beget a new style of existence. A party. Agnes has some success, which Mrs. Barnaby does not quite approve. Lord Mucklebury enters into an epistolary correspondence with the widow, by which her hopes are raised to the highest pitch. But Lord Mucklebury leaves Cheltenham lord mucklebury was a gay man in every sense of the word he loved a jest almost as well as a dinner and would rather have been quoted as the sayer of a good thing than as the doer of a great one he had enjoyed life with fewer drawbacks from misfortune than most men and having reached the age of forty had made up his mind as soberly as he could do on any subject that the only privilege of the aristocracy worth valuing was the leisure they enjoyed or might enjoy if they chose it for amusing themselves nature intended him for a good-tempered man but fun had spoiled him having laughed with everybody for the first twenty years of his life he learned during the second that it was a better joke still to laugh at them and accordingly the principal material for the wit on which his reputation rested was derived at the time mrs barnaby made his acquaintance from an aptitude to perceive the absurdities of his fellow-creatures and a most unshrinking audacity in exposing them having pointed out mrs barnaby to a set of his clever friends as the joke in which he meant to indulge during the three or four weeks of cheltenham discipline to which he annually submitted it became necessary to his honour that he should prove her to be ridiculous enough to merit the distinction and he knew well enough that all she required to make her perfect in this line was as much nonsense from himself as would keep her vanity afloat the occupation suited him exactly it threatened little fatigue and promised much amusement so that by the time mrs barnaby had made up her mind to win and wear his lordship's coronet he had decided with equal sincerity of purpose to render her the jest of the season to his cheltenham acquaintance an hour's close examination of miss morrison concerning the manière d'être of the beau monde during the season sufficed to convince the widow that expensive as the boarding-house had appeared to her it was far from being all that was necessary for her present purpose she must have a carriage she must have a tall footman she must have a smart lady's maid and great was the credit due to the zeal and activity of this invaluable friend for the promptitude and despatch with which these indispensable articles were supplied some idea of this may be gathered from the fact that the carriage which conveyed them to the house of lady elizabeth norris was one hired horses coachman and all for the season while the first applicant of six feet high who appeared in consequence of the earnest requisition for such an individual made at half a dozen different shops followed the widow in a full suit of livery the following sunday to church agnes looked on at first with wonder which a little reflection converted into great misery she knew absolutely nothing as to the amount of her aunt's fortune but there was a wild heedlessness of expense in her present manner of proceeding that despite her ignorance made her tremble for the result the idea that she might by persevering industry render herself fit to become a governess was that which most tended to console her but agnes's estimate of what was required for this was a very high one and greatly did she rejoice to find that her aunt permitted her to be wholly mistress of her time seldom inviting her to go out and receiving her apologies for declining to do so with a degree of complacency which plainly enough showed they were not unwelcome lady elizabeth norris's party was five days after the ball and before it arrived mrs barnaby had persuaded herself into the firmest possible conviction of lord mucklebury's devoted attachment and honourable intentions 
had his lordship not been one of the invited guests mrs barnaby would unquestionably have given up the engagement though but a few short days before it had appeared to her very like a permission to enter the gates of paradise but her estimate of all things was changed she was already a viscountess in all her reasonings and perhaps the only person who held an unchanged value was the poor agnes whose helpless dependence could not place her in a position of less consideration than it had done before pray miss agnes is it your pleasure to go to lady elizabeth norris's this evening said mrs barnaby while watching her new maid's assiduous preparations for her own toilette oh yes aunt if you have no objection i should like to go very much indeed nay child you may go if you wish it i imagine it will prove but a humdrum sort of thing wear the same dress that you did at the ball my maid shall arrange your hair for you yet notwithstanding all this increase of dignity agnes never for a moment guessed what was going on she had never seen lord mucklebury excepting at the ball and her imagination had not suggested to her the possibility that so casual an acquaintance could be the cause of all she saw and heard had agnes been as light-hearted as when she used to sit upon her travelling trunk in her closet at clifton listening to the lively gossip of her friend mary the party at lady elizabeth's would have been pregnant with amusement but as it was she sat very sadly alone in a corner for during the first portion of the evening sir edward stephenson and his lady were not present having dined out where they were detained much beyond the hour at which the majority of lady elizabeth's guests assembled but the lively old woman wanted no one to assist her in the task of entertaining her company for in truth she was not particularly anxious about their entertainment her sole object in bringing them all together being to amuse herself and this she achieved in a way less agreeable perhaps to one who like agnes was a mere passive spectator than to those who were expected to take a more active part during the early part of the evening few persons appeared excepting such as she had expressly desired to come early and there was not one of these undistinguished by some peculiarity from which the whimsical old lady derived amusement it was her custom to place herself immovably in a huge armchair with a small table before her on which was placed her tea coffee ice biscuits or anything else she might choose with quite as little ceremony as if she had been alone a book or two also with a pair of wax lights having a green shade over them never failed to make part of the preparation for her evening's amusement and to these she never scrupled to address herself if her people proved less entertaining than she expected every one as they entered approached this throne to pay their compliments and then seated themselves at some distance one single chair alone being permitted to stand near her to this place all those whom she wished to listen to were called in succession and dismissed when she had had enough of them with the same absence of all ordinary civility as she was sure to display to all those who were so ill-advised as to appear at her unceremonious bidding both her nephew and niece had often remonstrated with her on the subject of these strange reunions but she defended herself from the charge of behaving rudely to those who in accepting her invitations had a right to expect civility by saying i am as civil as they deserve my title is the duke and me that calls fools into my circle until i cease to be lady elizabeth they get what they come for for the most part the company were rather odd-looking than elegant and the newly awakened grandeur of mrs barnaby was a little wounded by observing how few persons there were present whose dress entitled them to the honour of meeting her and her dress lady elizabeth moreover received her very coldly though to agnes she said how do you do my dear lady stephenson will be here presently what vulgar ignorance thought the widow as she retreated to a sofa commanding a perfect view of the door by which the company entered 
notwithstanding her title that woman must have been wretchedly brought up should i in my second marriage be blessed with offspring i shall make it my first object to teach them manners befitting their rank the absurdities of lady elizabeth's guests on this evening were not sufficiently piquant to justify a detailed description one old gentleman was summoned to the chair that he might recount how many habitual drunkards both male and female he had converted into happy water-drinkers by the simple process of making them take an oath another amused her ladyship for several minutes by what she called saying his peerage that is by repeating a catalogue of noble names all of which he stated to belong to his most familiar friends one lady was had up for the purpose of repeating her own poetry and another that she might by a little prompting give vent to some favourite metaphysical doctrine which it was her forte to envelop in words of her own construction miss morrison too was courted into talking of paris in her own french but altogether the meeting was not successful and lady elizabeth was in the act of arranging the shade of her lights so as to permit her reading at her ease when her eye as she looked round the room chanced to fall upon agnes she was on the point of calling to her by name but there was a modest tranquillity in her delicate face that the imperious old lady felt no inclination to startle and instead of speaking to her she addressed her aunt pray mrs barnaby does your young lady play or sing we are mighty drowsy i think to-night all of us and if she does i should be really much obliged if she will favour us lady stephenson's instrument is a very fine one mrs barnaby was so little pleased by her reception and so completely out of sorts at the non-arrival of lord mucklebury that she answered as little graciously as it was well possible i don't think there is any chance of her amusing your ladyship great was the widow's surprise when she saw the quiet unpresuming agnes rise from her distant chair walk fearlessly across the circle to that of lady elizabeth and heard her say in a low voice but quite distinctly i do sing and play a little lady elizabeth and if it be your ladyship's wish that i should make the attempt now i shall be happy to obey you perhaps lady elizabeth was as much surprised as mrs barnaby but though she understood not the feeling that had prompted this wish to oblige her she was pleased by it and rising for the first time that evening from her chair she took agnes by the arm and led her to the pianoforte does your ladyship love music said agnes trembling at her own temerity but longing irresistibly to be noticed by the aunt of colonel hubert yes my dear i do indeed replied the old lady it is one of our family failings i believe we all love it too well which does your ladyship prefer old songs or new ones said agnes old ones most decidedly she replied but at your age my dear and in the present state of musical science it is hardly likely you should be able to indulge my old-fashioned whim in this respect my practice has been chiefly from the old masters replied agnes turning over the leaves of a volume of handel say you so my little girl then i will sit by you as you play the delighted agnes wondering at her own audacious courage assiduously placed a chair for the old lady and with a flutter at her heart that seemed almost like happiness turned to the song that she had seen produce on colonel hubert an effect never to be forgotten it had brought tears to the eyes of the gallant soldier and given to his features such dangerous softness that the poor minstrel had never recovered the effects of it to sing it again to the ear of his aunt was like coming back towards him and the alleviation this brought to the terrible fear of having lost sight of him for ever not only gave her the courage necessary to bring her to the place she now occupied but inspired her with animation skill and power to sing with a perfection she had never reached before 
the pleased attention of lady elizabeth had been given in the first instance to reward the ready effort made to comply with her wishes but long before the song was ended she had forgotten how she had obtained it had forgotten everything save her own deep delight and admiration of the beautiful siren who had caused it silent and motionless she waited till the last chord of the concluding symphony had died away and then rising from her chair she bent down over agnes and having gazed earnestly in her face for a moment kissed her fair forehead once twice and again with a cordiality that thanked her better than any words could have done agnes was greatly touched greatly gratified and forgetting the inexpediency of giving way to feelings that it was neither possible nor desirable should be understood she seized the good lady's hand pressed it to her bosom and looking up to her with eyes swimming in tears of joy said in a voice of deep feeling i am so very glad you like me why what a precious little creature you are exclaimed lady elizabeth half aroused and half softened as original to the full as any of my queer company here and quite as remarkable for sweetness and talent as they for the want of them where did you grow fair lily flower and how came you to be transplanted hither by so but never mind all this now if we get on well together we shall get better acquainted what shall i call you pretty one agnes if you please lady elizabeth agnes willoughby replied the happy girl becoming every moment more delighted at the result of the bold measure she had taken you must come to me to-morrow morning agnes while i am at breakfast at ten o'clock remember for then i am alone and you must come prepared my child to talk to me about yourself for i can't understand it at all and i never choose to be puzzled longer than i can help it upon any subject but listen to my monsters if they are not presuming to be noisy behind my back then lull me lull me charming air my senses wrap in wonder sweet like snow on wool thy footsteps are soft as a spirit's are thy feet exclaimed the old lady in a whisper close to the ear of agnes sing to me again my child and i will send a message to them in words borrowed from the famous epitaph on juan quebeca hold your tongues ye calves and turning herself round she beckoned to a servant who had just entered with refreshments saying to him in a voice which might have been heard by most of those in the apartment set down the tray johnston nobody wants it and go round the room begging they will all be silent while this lady sings it was in the middle of the song which followed that sir edward and lady stephenson returned the door opened without agnes being aware of it and her rich voice swelling to a note at the top of its compass and sustaining it with a power given to few filled the chamber with a glorious volume of sound that held colonel hubert's sister transfixed as she was about to enter unconscious that there was another of the race near her whom she would have almost breathed her soul away to please agnes warbled on nor raised her eyes from the page before her till the strain was ended then she looked up and perceived lady stephenson who had noiselessly crept round to ascertain whom the gifted minstrel might be immediately opposite and looking at her with a most gratifying expression of surprise and pleasure a very cordial greeting and shaking of hands followed while lady elizabeth her hand resting on her new favourite shoulder said almost in a whisper who would have thought emily that i should come at last to take lessons from you as to the selection of my natural curiosities but you have made a hit that does you immortal honour this little singing-bird is worth all the monsters i ever got together your ladyship need not look so grave however she added in a voice still lower i do not intend to treat her as if she were stolen from the zoological gardens 
she is to come to me to-morrow morning and then we shall know all about her i wish your fastidious brother were here do you remember what he said the other day about some miss he had heard at clifton i fancy we might have a chance of correcting his outrageous judgment concerning her what think you lady stephenson answered by expressing the most cordial admiration of agnes's voice but added there are many people coming in now dear aunt if miss willoughby will have the kindness to come to us to-morrow we shall enjoy hearing her much more than we can now and i think she would like it better too agnes gave her a grateful look and whispering in earnest thank you as she passed glided back to the place she had left beside her aunt upon my word miss agnes you are improving fast in impudence said mrs barnaby in her ear i desire if you please that next time you will wait till i bid you sing agnes did not reply nothing that it was in the power of her aunt to say could in that happy moment have caused her the slightest serious uneasiness she was blessed beyond the reach of scolding which was the more fortunate as the widow had seldom been in a more irritable mood quarter after quarter had heavily struck upon her ear from the timepiece on the marble slab behind her eleven o'clock the hour at which her carriage was ordered approached with fearful strides and yet lord mucklebury came not had her toilette upon this occasion been less fearfully expensive she could have endured it better but that all the charms a milliner could give should have been freely ventured on and he not see it was hard to bear it is true that with the dogged firmness of a resolute purpose mrs barnaby scorned to shrink or tremble as she played her desperate game nevertheless she knew that selling out stock three times within a fortnight was a strong measure and anything that seemed to check her approach to the goal she felt so sure of reaching did produce a disagreeable sort of spasm about her heart there was no help for it however go she must as nearly all the rest of the company had gone before her with nothing to console her but an indifferently civil nod from lady elizabeth and the surprise less agreeable perhaps than startling of seeing her dependent niece parted with in a manner that showed she was considered of infinitely greater importance than herself notwithstanding her carriage her tall footman and her magnificent attire miss morrison was accommodated with a seat in the carriage she had so actively exerted herself to procure and the first words spoken after they drove off were hers n'est pas que j'ai raison did i not say so mrs barnaby did i not tell you my dear madam that you need do nothing but make this young lady sing in order to become the fashion at cheltenham you have no idea what a number of visits you will have to-morrow no really miss morrison replied the widow tartly i am surprised to hear a person of your good sense speak so foolishly how can you suppose that a person in my station of life could desire the visits of such a set of people as we met to-night and as to making this poor penniless girl talked of as a singer i should be ashamed to think of such a thing remember miss if you please that from this time forward i will never permit you to sing again unless indeed you mean to get your bread by it and i'm sure i won't undertake to say but what you may want it i can answer for nobody but myself and i don't think it probable that others may be inclined to show the same devoted generosity that i have done to a girl that never showed the slightest affection for me in return and so she ran on till she fell asleep but her words fell like rain on a waterproof umbrella they made a noise but they could not reach the head which they seemed destined to deluge agnes was wrapped in armour of proof and nothing could do her harm happily for her 
one of the facetious lord mucklebury's modes of extracting amusement from the widow was by writing her notes which elicited answers that often threw him into a perfect ecstasy and which he carefully preserved in an envelope endorsed barnaby papers lodging them in a corner of his writing-desk from whence they were not unfrequently drawn for the delectation of his particular friends one of these notes intended to produce an answer that should add a gem to his collection was delivered to mrs barnaby as she passed from the breakfast-table of the boarding-house to her own sitting-room the emotions produced by these notes were always very powerful and on the present occasion more so than ordinary for there were apologies for not appearing last night and hopes for an interview that morning which were to be answered instantly for the servant waited mrs barnaby panting with haste and gladness seated herself at her table opened her writing-desk seized a pen and was in the very act of venturing the words my dear lord when agnes drew near and said may i go out aunt to call on lady elizabeth gracious heaven what a moment to torment me go go where you will plague of my life as you are get along at once can't you agnes vanished a barnaby paper was written and while the niece was enjoying three hours of the most flattering and delightful intercourse with the nearest relations of colonel hubert the aunt with a degree of felicity hardly less perfect was receiving a tete-a-tete visit from lord mucklebury in which he has carefully studied her looks attitudes and words as if their effect on him were all she believed them to be nor did either interview pass without producing some important results his lordship carried away with him wherewithal to keep half a dozen of his friends who dined with him on that day in a continued roar for nearly an hour mrs barnaby was left with a sweet assurance that all was going well which led to the purchase of a richly laced mantelet and a new bonnet while agnes inspired by so strong a wish to please as to make her follow the lead of her new friends and converse with them of all her little history just as they wished to make her created in them both an interest too strong to be ever forgotten and she left them with a confidence in their kindness that made her endure much subsequent suffering with firmness for it was long ere she wholly lost the hope that they might meet again in future years during the next fortnight this agreeable intercourse was very frequently repeated for there were few hours of the day in which mrs barnaby was not in some way or other so occupied by the sentiment that engrossed her either by the presence of its object or the anticipation of his presence or meditation upon it when it was past that she was well pleased to have agnes out of the way and lady elizabeth and her charming niece were on the contrary so well pleased to have her that scarcely a day passed without some hours of it being devoted to them lady stephenson in particular seemed to study her character with peculiar attention there was a fond devotion in the gratitude which their kindness had produced that could not be mistaken and which from one so artless and so every way interesting could not fail of producing affection in return from such a friend it was impossible for agnes to conceal even if she had wished it that her home was a very wretched one and they often conversed together on the possibility of her releasing herself from it by endeavouring to obtain some sort of independence by her own exertions lady elizabeth was repeatedly a party in these consultations but uniformly gave it as her opinion that any home was better for such a girl as agnes than an attempt to support herself which must inevitably expose her to a degree of observation more dangerous than any annoyance from her aunt barnaby agnes by no means clearly understood the grounds upon which this sturdy opposition to her wishes was founded and as lady stephenson who seemed more able to sympathize with her actual sufferings listened without venturing to answer these mysterious threatenings of something remote she at length took courage herself and said 
will you tell me dear lady elizabeth what it is you think would happen to me if i went into a family as a governess you are a little fool agnes replied the old lady unable to repress a smile but as i do really believe that your ignorance is genuine i will tell you don't be frightened my poor child but the fact is that you are a great deal too handsome for any such situation agnes blushed instantly a most celestial rosy red and felt shocked and ashamed at having drawn forth such an answer but though she said nothing in reply she at once decided that lady elizabeth norris should never have reason to believe that she was capable of neglecting her friendly caution all hopes from her power of teaching ended for ever and the next time her aunt barnaby was particularly cross which happened that night while they were undressing to go to bed agnes very seriously began to revolve in her altered mind the possibility of learning so late in life the profitable mystery of satin stitch once and once only during the many hours agnes passed with his relations did she venture to pronounce the name of colonel hubert she had often determined to do it but had never found courage and opportunity till one morning after an hour or two passed in singing duets with his sister lady elizabeth again alluded to the clifton miss that her nephew had so vaunted and whose voice must she was sure be so immeasurably inferior to that of miss willoughby it was under cover of this observation that agnes ventured to say i knew colonel hubert a little when i was at clifton did you said the old lady briskly then i'll bet my life he heard you sing once or twice he did oh ha that explains it all you need not blush so about it my dear why did you not tell me so at once i do not think it is quite certain returned agnes attempting to smile that colonel hubert spoke of me don't you my dear but i do and i know him best i suppose and what was it you sang to him agnes agnes mentioned the songs but her voice trembled so that she grievously repented having brought on herself questions that she found it so difficult to answer her embarrassment was not greatly relieved by perceiving when at length she looked up to save herself from the awkwardness of pertinaciously looking down that the eyes of lady stephenson were earnestly fixed upon her did you ever see frederick stephenson with my brother said her ladyship they were at clifton together this summer perhaps you don't know that i was married there agnes and sir edward and i left our two brothers there together this change of subject was a considerable relief and agnes answered with tolerable composure oh yes i did know you were married there for i heard it mentioned several times and i saw you too lady stephenson the evening before you were married walking up and down gloucester row with with your brother did you indeed were you walking there agnes no we were at the drawing-room window and my aunt made me look out to see your brother why particularly to see my brother inquired lady stephenson with a smile because because he was so tall i believe replied agnes looking considerably more silly than she had ever done in her life and so you watched us walking up and down did you agnes yes once or twice answered agnes again blushing violently and did you hear what we said my dear no but i am sure it was something very interesting you seemed to be talking so earnestly it was very interesting it was about frederick you knew him too did you not oh yes very well really i wonder you never told me so before it was impossible to look at agnes at this moment as lady stephenson now looked at her without perceiving that there must be some cause for the agitation she evinced 
it immediately occurred to her that it was likely enough frederick might have laid his heart at her feet or perhaps stopped short before he did so from the effect of that very conversation of which agnes had been an eye though not an ear witness poor little thing thought lady stephenson if this be so and if she has given her young heart in return how greatly is she to be pitied no sooner had this idea struck her which many trifling circumstances tended to confirm than lady stephenson determined to drop the subject for ever and as much as agnes secretly but tremblingly wished it no allusion was ever made to the two gentlemen again days and weeks rolled on till the time fixed by lord mucklebury for his departure arrived his collection of the barnaby papers was quite as copious as he wished it to be and having indulged himself and his friends with as many good stories as any one lady could be the heroine of without being fatiguing he parted with the widow on saturday evening assuring her with a thousand expressions of passionate admiration that he should be early on the walks to look for her on the morrow and by noon on sunday was on his road to london behind four galloping post-horses during the whole of that fatal sunday mrs barnaby roamed through all the public walks of cheltenham with the disconsolate air of a pigeon whose mate has been shot she was sad cross tender and angry by turns but never for a moment during that long dismal day did she ever once conceive the terrible idea that her intended mate was flown for ever nay even on the morrow when an answer to an inquiry at the reading-room of whether lord mucklebury had been there that morning the man replied i believe his lordship has left town ma'am not even then did her mind receive the terrible truth it was from the hand of her friend miss morrison that the blow came at last that lady on wednesday evening entered her room bringing a london newspaper with her she was much irritated mon doux mrs barnaby she cried look here the widow seized the paper with a trembling hand and before she fainted read as follows lord viscount mucklebury arrived this morning at mivert's hotel from cheltenham it is rumoured that his lordship is about to depart in a few days for the continent in order to pass the winter at rome but rather with the intention of kissing the hands of the beautiful lady m s than the toe of his holiness end of chapter fifteen end of volume two recorded by celine major